Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get a kinetic fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. Ding ding, another round down and still no one has found the knockout punch to end United's unbeaten run. We look back on an entertaining 1-1 draw with Swindon in the sweltering heat of the Brunton Park sunshine. A washout of Grimsby and preview this weekend's trip down south to face early pace setters Stevenage. Yes, the unbeaten run continues, doesn't it, Mike? Still no one can... Uh... Yeah, it's quite a lot for you to cram in there. Uh, there was, wasn't there? Indeed, I'd, I wrote a slightly <laughs> longer intro than usual, but um, how are you doing, mate? Are you good? Yeah, you know, all right. You know, still unbeaten. Can't complain. Yeah. Been up to much of late? Um, no, not really. No, no. Uh, I've got not my annual time. bad back at the, at the oh. minute. Uh, oh. Yeah. I'm with you now. <laughs> but no, yeah. You haven't, you haven't been going around, uh, you know, making sure that uh, no one's vandalising the, the streets of uh, Formby these days, have you? No? Not yeah, right. with them, uh, with, with with stickers, the blight on our society. No, I haven't. <laughs> Ridiculous, but there you go. Right, okay, let's move on swiftly. Uh, just a reminder, the once again this season, the podcast has been sponsored by the Cal United Sports Club London Bunch. The London Bunch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, supporters games and fundraising for the club. They've been providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section of Season 2. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Also, if you um, haven't already, just a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your good podcast apps, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, places like that. If you just click the subscribe button and, uh, and yeah... Um, Every time a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification through. Um, we also, just just a note, we've set up a YouTube channel where all the episodes are going to be on now as well. I'm in the process of uploading all of the old episodes onto there. I'm about 30% of the way through, I think, but it's a bit of a slow and laborious process, but we'll get there in the end. But yeah, basically, any episode that comes out now will go onto there. We're also going to look at maybe what we can do with a little bits and pieces on there, maybe do a few, a few little live things after matches, things like that, for quick reactions. But yeah. Uh, We'll see how it, it goes. It's good though, YouTube, because if you've got like a smart telly, you can just put it on in the background kind of thing. Exactly that. So yeah, so we're, we're on YouTube now as well, just in, in case that's uh, another way you want to uh, listen or watch episodes, I suppose, <laughs> the way you'd do it. Um, you won't get to see any video of us just yet. Um, I think Dan's a bit camera shy, so whether we'll get him on there, I don't know. But uh, uh, a reminder as well, you can follow us on social and, media. And we do record naked as well. So yes, nobody, that, that is a problem, especially, that. especially in this heat as well. It's quite a horrific sight. Um <laughs> Yeah, you can follow us on social media at Brunton Bugle on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just search for the Brunton Bugle on Facebook and click like. And we're also on the Be Just On Facebook group and on the Cumberland.net message board. And of course, the good old-fashioned way, email, electronic mail, if you want to send us one, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Well, let's get into it, Mike. There's a few bits to fit in uh, this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, another signing confirmed. So yeah, um Having previously said he'd finished in the transfer market for this window, uh, Paul Simpson's uh, bent the ear of the club's owners one more time. And to their credit, they've dug deep to find the funds to add some left-sided defensive cover to the first-team squad. And that player is Duncan Idien. How do you pronounce this, do you reckon? How, yeah, how are we going with this? Like, 
It's a different Adgo one. Adgo-idean, yeah. Idean. So it's, it's basically spelled I-D-E-H-E-N. So it's a, it's, it's a tough one to judge, really. We'll find out on Saturday when James Phillips uh, announces the name on the team sheet, I'm sure. Well, but, not uh, necessarily, because he's been calling Paul Huntington Paul Huntingdon, but you know. Well... Uh, there you go. You're getting told there, James. Make sure you get it right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, he's a 20-year-old uh, left-sided defender who signed on a half-season loan deal from Bristol City. Um, bit of an interesting career path, hasn't he? He started out in Norwich in their academy, never made it there. Then he went to Lincoln City. He was on the bench for a few first-team games, I think, in the uh, in the EFL Trophy. Um, and then he went to Grimsby Town, made six appearances for them, um, was transferred, then allowed to leave. Spent half a season with Birmingham City's under-23s before leaving them to sign on a half-season deal with Bristol City last season and then agreeing a two-year deal in the summer. So, he'll wear squad number 33. Um, I don't I don't think we can class him as like a... What's the phrase? I don't think he's another Jonathan Dinizay, is he? Although he's in his cover, basically. I think, you look at him, he's at least made six first-team appearances. He must have something about him. Bristol City of tug him on and give him a longer deal. But it'll be a good learning environment for him, won't it? Yeah, I mean, it seems a bit mad where he's sixth club, technically, mm. and he's only 20 years old. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we don't really know much about him, do we? But um, from what Simo said, he's he's cover at the end of the day. He's not going to be thrown into the first team. Um, and obviously, he's, he's a big lad, so... Um, yeah, it'd be good sort of uh, for training and stuff, having another big lad in the in the mix for working on set pieces and stuff. Yeah, and I think the half-season loan thing works quite well as well, because <clears> if, if he does impress, if he does enough, then we can always look to extend it to the end of the season, can't we? And But he's in mm. basically to give a bit of cover and a bit of competition to, to Mellish and Armour, I think, isn't he? Basically, that's that's the way to, it's going to work, yeah. I think. So, uh, so yeah, the big dunk, he's uh, signed up for, for till January. Um Going out the other way, though, we've uh, got a low move, haven't we, Mike? Um, and it's young Louis mm. Bell. He's he's left the club to join um, Gretna 2008, the Lowland League side, on a half-season loan deal, too. Um, it's been a tough couple of years for him, hasn't it, really? Because when he was still a YTS, there was a lot of expectation, wasn't there? There was quite a lot of excitement about him as a winger. He was given a pro deal mm. very early, given a two-year pro deal with a one-year option as well. That pro deal runs out at the end of the season. That one year option is still there. I, I don't want to completely write him off just now, but it, it's not a great. It doesn't look great for him, does it? That he's going on loan to a, a team below even Annan's level in Scotland, does it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure that I'd have I'd rate Gretna higher than I would like Kendall. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a very low level that he's he's gone to. Um, obviously, he had that spell at Warrington last season that didn't mm. work out. Um, so it's 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 not looking looking brilliant for him compared to some of the other young lads, you know, like Fishburn. Obviously, gone yeah. to Blythe and uh, Bellardo's coming through. Who, well, he's staying with us this season yeah. by the looks of things. But compared to some of the lads who are now younger than him, who seem further ahead in their development, I I don't think he's he's going to be one that'll get a new deal in the summer. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, to, to be fair with the with the Lowland League, there are some decent teams there. You've, we've seen them come through into the Scottish leagues and do quite well in recent seasons, but Gretna are not one of the stronger teams at that level. I know you've got the Celtic B and Rangers B in there as well now these days, but yeah, it, it's it, it's going to be a real real tough one for him to... I, mean, I hope he really can, I really do, because he, he's been so unlucky with picking up COVID at the time he did when he was just bursting into the first-team squad 
and it just seems to really it's hit it's hit him worse than pretty much anyone else, hasn't it? I think that's fair mm. to say. So, you know, we really do wish him the best with the loan spot. And hopefully he can come back re- rejuvenated and maybe yeah, if he can put some decent performances, maybe he can get a loan at a slightly higher level maybe after Christmas, but uh, mm. we'll have to wait and see. Right, well, let's move on to the uh, match review section then, Mike. Uh, and we'll obviously this week we're going to be talking about Carl United 1 at Swindon Town 1. Um, a game played in, it's fair to say, sweltering conditions. You were there, you were working, weren't you? I think on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I can imagine it wouldn't be much fun in the, in the cab of your uh, your truck as well <laughs> on Saturday. Well, when I, when I came in, I had a choice of five wagons. And normally you pick like the fastest wagon. But I picked yeah. the slowest wagon that had the best aircon. Because that's what you needed, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it sounded like a horrendous conditions to play football in. Um, I mean, especially for our wing backs who, who get up and down, and there's no there's no cover for the wing backs really. So they've been playing every game, you know. Whereas we've had sort of the cup game where we rotated a little bit. Them wing backs have been bombing up and down for every single game, which is incredible, really. Well. To their credit, though, it was a good game. Both sides, I have to say, you know, made it into an entertaining game. It was end-to-end in the second yeah. half. Probably a little bit more open than Simo would have liked it to have been. But at the end of the day, it, 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 for the fans, it, it was certainly got the money's worth. Um, yeah, mm. uh, decent crowd as well, 5,602 with 311 travelling up from Swindon. And um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones at the end. I think everyone walked out thought, Decent point that not too bad. Can't really grumble too much. Mm. But then, when when I look back at it, the highlights afterwards, my thought was we had a lot of very good chances. They had chances, but they weren't clear cut. They weren't, you know, six yards out, putting over the bar. Sorry, Mary, got to mention it. Um, they were more sort of you know being driven out wide in the area and, and wholly making a fairly solid save against them, weren't they? It, it that that's the frustrating thing. I think the fact that we had so many good chances and. They didn't have so many great chances. And, well, the goal was a gift, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but, I mean, you talk about creating chances there before. It's not the first time that that's been the case this season where we've not put in enough away. And there's been times in previous seasons where we haven't been scoring enough goals. And you can put it down to, oh, we need a more creative midfielder who can create chances. That's not the case here. And other times it's like, oh, we need a a number nine up front who will put them in the back of the net. And again, that's not the case here either. I think we just need... It. One week, it's all going to click into yeah. place, and I think we'll beat someone 5 or 6 nil. It's just, you know... Some of the players, you know, they haven't played together a great deal. And I think what, one player that we miss more than a lot of people, I think, realise is maybe Toby Silver because... While the likes of Dennis and Patrick might not be scoring, they'll be tiring defenders out, running at them all game. And then you kind of need someone like Joe Silver on for the last 20 minutes to just create a little bit of chaos and and, and score a goal. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Actually, it's a fair point. You know, we, we, we talk about all these players are out, but sometimes having a different option on the bench is just as important as you know having players to fill positions. And Toby does offer you that off the bench later on in the game. And... Jack Stratton so far, he's done okay, but he's does he really look like he's going to score in games? Probably not. Whereas whenever Toby comes on, you, you know something's going to be created from from him just being on the pitch. You know, it's not necessarily going to come to him, but he will he will cause problems. Let's talk about the goals then. I mean, first goal, um, really frustrating this one, isn't it? 
so frustrating because it, it's, like, it's the fact that yeah. we've conceded two goals so far this season and they've both been from mistakes. That That's yeah. the thing that really is getting me and it's really winding me up a little bit because actually we're defending quite well but then you make these silly little mistakes and it costs you. So essentially, um, Moxon, I think Moxon actually get fouls McCurley to be fair in the build-up. He should have been a free kick to them. Guy then picks up the ball and to be, when I saw it in, in live action, to be fair... It looked to me like he had a lot more time on the ball than I first realised and thought he could have easily got rid of it. But actually, he's crowded out very quickly by two Swindon players and maybe they deserve a little bit more credit. That said, he probably can just poke it back to Holy and he can boot up the field. I feel like he maybe mm. could have... And I'm sure he knows that guy. He gets robbed of the ball. Wakeling picks up the ball, gets to the edge of the area and, and slots a nice shot past Holy, And it's... Yeah, it's one of those ones you think, well, the, the one positive is, thank God it's not Harry McCurdy putting the ball in the back of the net, because uh, that would have been yeah. delightful, wouldn't it? Um, so yeah, 1-0 down after 22 minutes. Um, fair play United, the response was strong, get, really went at them, and then on the stroke of half-time, get their reward. Um, good play by Callum Guy, give him credit. You know, he, he won the ball back in their half, mm. lays it off to Gibson and... and Tell you what, it's a great first time pass this from Gibson to be aware. Not to yeah, take the touch. Brilliant pass. Slide it through. Christian Dennis definitely onside. <laughs> I say that. I can't actually tell if he's onside. It's very hard to tell from that camera angle, but there's not been huge complaints about it, so he must have been. Through on goal. I mean, you back him every day of the week to score from there, don't you? Yeah, I mean Dennis can't stop scoring at the minute, really. And I think another reason why we maybe haven't beaten a team five or six nil yet is that we score a goal like that in October, November against a team that's struggling a little bit. The two centre backs will maybe start bickering with each other a bit, and then you've seen it so many times where a team concedes one, they start bickering, it all falls apart, and then they concede three or four not long after. And I think you know that's it's only a matter of time before that happens. But yeah, back onto Dennis, he's he's in fantastic form, and I think we all knew that that's that's the player that we hoped that we'd signed last January yeah definitely well I mean interesting to say that you know the defenders start bickering and then you know they start falling to bits a bit well we could have had another two goals not before even half time arrived I mean bear in mind it was the 45th minute the goal scored literally a minute later we win a free kick ball's knocked in cleared out to Gibson on the edge of the box and it's a lovely little dink in to Dennis really clever bit mm. of play once again springing the offside trap and uh, heading it and it's, it's one of those ones at the time it looked like it was the only place he could really head it but when I look back at it he maybe could have directed it a bit further away from the keeper, but good save from the keeper to tip it over. And then mm. Finn Back's got another chance before half time, doesn't he? As well, that's again one of those ones. Maybe if he knocks it back across goal, possibly Dennis is there waiting. But I mean, he was stretching a bit to get to the ball anyway. To be fair, um, we've mm. mentioned first first half chances there, but I mean, we I can't really get away without miss it, mentioning Amari's miss, can we? Mm. No, it's. I mean, apparently he was offside, um, so it didn't matter anyway. I didn't um, see an offside flag. But I think I'm if, not convinced by that. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm going off what Simo said, and yeah. I mean, you know, Simo isn't always right because he did say last season that he doesn't have a magic wand, which we all know is a lie. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, if we had a fully fit squad, I think with Patrick's fitness, he would not have been starting. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a fair assessment. To be fair, I think. You'd, you'd be using him for the last 30, 40 minutes of a game at the moment, wouldn't you, really, to, to build his fitness mm. up and get him ready to start. But he has to start at the moment, really, because he is our best of a striker, isn't he? It's, it's too soon to throw straight in to start games, really. So Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think he's one as well. Like he he thrives off. He's he's quite a bit of a confidence player, Patrick. And I think once he gets his first goal, it wouldn't surprise me if he went on a run, sort of like Dennis, and goes three, four, five games in a row with goals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with Patrick, I should say as well. Actually, he's the one who started the move. Well, he won the free kick for what was Dennis's second chance that was tipped over, and also he was the one who went on the run to set up uh, Finn Back's chance. So. No lack of confidence there in terms of his overall play, was there really, after after he'd missed that chance? So. No. Fair, fair play to him for keeping going then. Um, <clears throat> other than that, um, into the second half, I mean, Gibson getting away down the left as well, played into Patrick in the middle, and he lets the ball come across him really nicely for this chance, and he tries to slot it in, and I think the keeper might have got a hand to it, but Dennis would have been there to pounce on the rebound. But what, what I should say is that... Um, the, yeah, the um, defender gets in the way and he, he blocks it anyway. So it's just frustrating for Mari. He would have had a good chance there to score, but but there you go. Up the other end, McCurdy had a, a couple of chances. One, I think Mellish deserves a bit of credit for forcing him wide for one of them. Another one similar, he hit into the side netting. The first one was saved by Holy, I should say. Um, Gladwin had a volley from distance, was deflected over. There was another chance for um, uh, the goal scorer and Wakeling to, to score, but again, he was forced a bit wide and it was... Well saved by Holy. Um, but yeah, the, the frustrating one again. Another chance to win it where Gibson does well to get a ball into the box. Armour does brilliantly to head back, back across goal. And uh, it's one of those ones, I think, with a bit more practice and working together, Stretton maybe is a bit more aware of the fact that Dennis is coming steaming in onto that one. And mm. instead, he, mm. he tries to hook it in himself, which is a difficult skill to do when you're on the turn like that. And mm. if he leaves it, I think Dennis makes it 2-1 comfortably. There. He was always going to score that. So it's, uh, yeah, frustrating, but in the end, yeah, I think a point probably was a fair based on number of chances, but on the quality of chances, we should have won it, personally, is what I think. Mm. But that that's the difference from last season, you know, the game like this, you would have gone, yep, really good result, that 1-1, happy with that. The standards yeah. have been lifted, haven't they? We now think, yeah, bit disappointed that, could have got the three points. And and you can see, you know, what sort of it just needs a little bit of fine tuning. It's it's not like we need wholesale changes. We need an entire new defence. We need a whole no. new strike force. You know, it's just no. a little bit of fine tuning, and we'll be well on our way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing we got to mention. We'll talk about injuries later on when we preview the Sydney game. But ten first team players out at the moment, and we're playing yeah. like this. Last season when we had and, a few uh, a few out, we were down to the bare bones and struggling. Hmm. And to be honest, I think, I mean, obviously you'd add a goalkeeper, but the team that you could make of our injured players, I think would be good enough to at least survive relegation in this league. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the players that went. I mean, Huntington isn't injured, but he's, you know, on that sort of list of players who are unavailable. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. And yeah, full, full credit. Um, team selection-wise, I think we were... Weren't too surprised really where we the changes. Um, Ellis coming in for Barkley was the only one we weren't hundred percent on, but it, it, obviously that's what turned out to happen in the end. Dennis came in for Edmondson and uh, Gibson for Hilton and Moxon for Harris. No, no massive surprise there. Right, we've got two sixty-second reviews because we've got sort of two games to review here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Grimsby <laughs> farce, um, not in too much detail though. We've only gone for two sixty-second reviews for each game. 
So up first, what I've got is a, a read from a, a last week's host, Greg Bullman. I hope you all enjoyed uh, Greg's first time on the show. Uh, definitely have to get him back on when, when Mike and Dan are not available in the future, possibly. Um, but here's what Greg had to say. Um, I think he recorded this on his walk home because I think you can hear a bus at the start or something. So here's Greg. All right, Lee. I've been relegated back to the reserves. I'm out of the first team again. So here's my update for Swindon game. I said 2-1 when I was in the first team last week, um, but I would have took a draw with the injuries that we have. I thought we played okay, and I think a draw was a fair reflection. They had some really good chances, and Thomas made some fantastic saves, but we had two real guilt-edged chances, but were off target. So on the balance of play, I think it was fair. Man of the match for me was John Mellish, but a big shout-out to Sonny Hilton when he came on. I thought he was fantastic. And I'd also want to shout-out Indy Street Club. I thought they were brilliant in the uh, entertainment area outside the ground before the match. Up the blues. There you go. That's Greg's assessment. Interesting how people look at games differently, isn't it? He's, uh, he's picked mm-hmm. out um, you know, Holy for his uh, saves as well. Obviously, given John Mellish the man of the match. Um, but yeah, he went for Holy, so that's quite an interesting one, really. And mentioning Hilton, because I, I actually thought Hilton, well, some nice touches, but his set pieces, he really needs to work on them, because there was one free kick he, he sent in that just wasn't very good, and then there was a corner floated in as well that was... Yeah, well, I heard, I heard the corner at the end on the radio oh, and the there. collective groan from the whole stadium as it not, went into the keeper's arms. I'm not quite grasping these floated corners from the right this season. I don't mm. just just send an in swinger in the keeper then has a problem trying to come for it if you've been swinging it. Outswinger, sorry, outswinger. Well, sorry, I should say yeah. One thing with the players that we've got absent, I think we're lacking some of our threats on set pieces quite a bit. Uh, obviously, True. Edmondson is a player who, when he's not heading the set piece himself, mm. he's occupying maybe two defenders well, um, and Barkley I'd, as well. I'd be inclined then to potentially look at using Amari Patrick for a short corner again. Because we did that a couple yeah. of times last season. It was a really useful weapon, mm. actually. Because he drags mm. the defender out and he can get past that defender quite easily, quite often. So I, mm. I'd not be against going back to that while we're a little bit short in terms of height in the team. Um, mm. But yeah, really interesting uh, views from Greg there on the game. Um should say, he gave man of the match to Jordan, sorry to John Mellish. Who scored dot com? Uh, their Cali United man of the match was uh, Jordan Gibson with seven point six. The actual man of the match was uh, Jacob Wakeling with seven point eight. I think that's very generous. I don't think he was that impressive, if I'm brutally honest, in this game. I think he, you know, mm. scored his goal, fair play, and he had one of a chance. But bar that, he didn't really strike me as a major threat. So I think that was a bit kind. I thought McCurdy was a much bigger threat for them, to be honest. But then he missed a couple of chances, so maybe that's why he didn't get as good a rating. Um, yeah, uh, right. Well, the next uh, six-second review is my wife, <laughs> Megan. Megan came up to the game with me. Basically, we went off to visit some family for the weekend, so she came along to the game. She, she, she's only been. She, she goes a couple of times a season with me to the games. Being brutally honest, she doesn't really enjoy it, as anyone really shouldn't, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's awful to watch. But uh, she had quite a fair assessment to make about the game, and because she actually went to the Tranmere away game last season, and she said that's the best Carlisle game she's been to. And I was like, man, it's nowhere near the top Carlisle game I've been to. So (laughs) there you go. Uh, This is what Megan had to say about the game. A day out at Brenton Park is usually um, an experience, to (laughs) say the least, from an outsider's point of view. But um, the, the match on Saturday was easily one of the best that I've been to in the past eight plus years that I've been going, obviously sporadically, but... um, 
massive improvement in just everyone's kind of general morale, which is lovely. Um, and on the with the team and the manager, which is good. But most importantly, I think the actual improvements made to Brunton Park itself, the fan park outside, especially on a day like Saturday when it was absolutely cracking the flags, um, was really, really great. I think it gets everyone in a great mood before a match. Um, and just kind of getting the local community all together, it, it was really, really good to see. Um, so I will probably be back soon. <laughs> that, that's Megan's assessment of the game, basically. But um, I think she was a bit disappointed. It was too warm to get a Bovril, actually. I thought that's one of the things she was uh, upset <laughs> about. But there you go. No, no, the point she makes about the fan zone is a really good one, actually, though. And I think... We went to the opening game, Mike, didn't we? And it was a bit of a disappointment in the way it was running. It was a bit shambolic, long queues. I mean, we queued, and the queue was only about five, six metres deep, wasn't it? Mm. And it took us 40 minutes to get to the front, and by that point, the pumps were pumping out foam, basically. They were were broken Mm. and couldn't get any beers. This time we arrived, we were slightly closer, but it took us literally five minutes to get to the front, and we had our beers, no bother. No issues. We even managed That's to get good. a second set of beers a little bit later on. Um, our good friend, uh, mutual friend Johnny was there as well, and he was very impressive how much better it was this time around. Um, yeah, the whole setup was fantastic. I mean, the, the weather helps a hell of a lot in, in a situation like that. But, you know, as Greg mentioned, uh, I think it was Indie Social Club with, was the name of the band uh, they were playing. They were really good. Uh, and I saw a few people complaining, saying they were too loud, and you know you want to be able to crack to your mates before. And I don't think they were too loud. We we were still able. To, if you if you stood right next to them, it'd be too loud. Yeah, but if you stood far enough away, you you were fine. Only maybe it's not even a criticism. I would say is maybe they need to look at a few more tables out there. They definitely need to look at sorting a marquee sooner or later, so that the you know when mm. the bad weather arrives, you know there's some cover there for people who, who come down for the drinks. Um, there was one suggestion is you can get Beaver Town, which is a really, uh, neck oil, which is a really nice beer. That's available in the main stand bars now, but they serve it in glasses up there. You can't take it out in the glasses, and they don't have any plastic glasses upstairs for you to take it mm. down. So maybe one one little thing to change, maybe have some plastic glasses available. Maybe say to people, are you going to take these outside potentially? And say, yes, well, here's a plastic glass. You can have it in that if you want, and you can take it outside. That would be the one session, suggestion I would make in terms of improving that. But overall... So much better, you know. Everyone seems yeah. to love the food stalls and the drink stalls. Um, only again, one only one more slight criticism is we went for, to go and get a bottle of water at half time, literally about 30 seconds after half time, whistle blew, and they had no bottled water left. You've mm. got to be prepared for something like that when you know it's going to be 30 degrees. You really should be having a, a mass amount of bottles of water in there because people are going to want especially that. <laughs> it's got long dates on it, so you can buy yeah. tons of it. And yeah. you know, if you're not going to sell it for this game, sell it the following game, and it's it's yeah. no worries. But it's, it's good to hear that the whole fan part thing is going well. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that it works by the vendors buy a pitch off the club for the game. I, I don't know how it I'm works guessing. exactly, but I, I mean, Nigel Clippins is sorry now, but it, it it makes the club a lot more money than in the previous setup yeah. and stuff did. So basically it's a good thing for the club overall um oh definitely and and the more people who go sort of on a regular thing if it's a thing where people have to pay for a pitch you know the club will be able to charge more money if there's more fans going um which would ultimately be a good thing in the in the long term 100% and that's something i would actually say anyone who went down on the first match day and was disappointed with what happened in terms of the queues and taking too long and then not being able to get a beer totally understand why you might take a <coughs> oh, i'm not going to bother doing it again 
give it another chance really do go down and, and use it basically it's the old saying is it use it or lose it basically if fans don't go down and use it they'll get rid of it and then there'll be complaints about oh, we haven't got anything down there so well you didn't turn up to use it that'll be the argument so mm. yeah make sure you get down to use it um overall any other talking points from the game i've, I've picked a few out here mike um got to give a shout out to jack ellis don't we fantastic stuff for him playing yeah. a right-sided center back um I mean, he's previously played as right wing back under Simo. Um, but he was centre-back yeah. for the youth team, wasn't he? He was a centre-back for the youth team, but that was in a back four. Coming into a back three, playing mm. on the right side of a back three. A lot of responsibility there, but fair play for in a fantastic game. And he was close to being my man of the match. He, he made one mistake, but he recovered really well from it. And he actually got back and forced the player away, I think, from, from goal. So full credit to him for being aware enough to do that. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. James Phillips said the biggest compliment that you could pay him was that he didn't really notice him. He no, just sort of no. slotted in and, and, and did his job kind of thing. And Simo said on the radio that, you know, he's a young lad, he's probably going to make mistakes. But he said, we've got senior players who are making mistakes and yeah. you've, just, you've just got to get on with it. You know, it's, 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 it's a thing worth noting. I mean, those two on the right-hand side on Saturday, you had so you had um, Jack Ellis and you had mm. Finn back, obviously playing right wing back. Now, their ages, uh, let me, I'm just double-checking this to make sure I get this right, because I've had this ages wrong recently. So, Jack Ellis is still 18. Finn back, he is 19. Turns 20 next mm. month. And mm. Ellis turns uh, 19 in October. And then, when you go to uh, left wing back, you've got Jack Armour, who's 21, doesn't turn 22 until next April. You've got mm. Corey Whelan, who's 24, and then you've got John Mellish, who's 24 as well. That, mm. That's not, that's not you know, quite a young defence to have in there. And, you know, they, oh, they've yeah. looked very you know, calm in the game so far. Yeah. And, you know, even when Morgan Feeney is fully fit, he's only 23. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, so I, I think Huntington will add a lot of experience to that. Um, well, he, he's pushed our average age up quite a bit. <laughs> I think it's fair to yeah. say, compared to what yeah. it was. But... Um, but no, it, it, it's fantastic. And you know what? I think Jack's going to have a really big future in the game. Jack Ellis, that is, I think he's been fantastic yeah. in the games I've seen him so far. And full credit to the lad. He's, you know, that that's an example of a young player taking the chance, you know, grabbing the ball by the horns, basically, isn't it? And yeah. taking that first team opportunity when it's given to you. So uh, well done to him. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Jordan Gibson as well. He's he's been fantastic so far this season in that attacking midfield role, hasn't he? We know his dad listens yeah. to the pod, so that's one of the reasons we've got to give him a shout out as well. But but no, <laughs> in all seriousness, he's been fantastic. His ability to intercept the ball high up the pitch or nick nick little tackles makes a huge yeah. difference. He set up that chance for Mari at the start of the second half just from doing that, just from being aware, being a nuisance, nicking his foot in and getting away with, with the ball and. Mm. He's going to have to work on his free kicks because <laughs> you, you won't see this, Mike, because it's not in any of the highlights. And there's a good reason it's not in any of the highlights. He tried to take a free kick from about 30 yards and it, it almost ended up on the Neil Sports Centre roof. That's how poor it was. <laughs> but I'm sure that will come with time. You know, it's one of those ones. I think if Jamie Devitt's on the pitch, I think he, he can he can give duties over to J- Jamie for those occasions. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Mm. But no, fantastic to, to adapt from being a winger into that that role and you know it's not all about attacking it's all about getting back as well and winning the ball too and, he, and he's, he's been brilliant this season he really has well off, often with sort of attacking fielders you, you've got sort of all the ability and not the the graft and the hard work with that but yeah. Gibson has both you know which is, is really good to see and uh, dare I say if he carries it on I think he's not going to be playing in League 2 for much longer 
No, definitely not. And he's one of the... Interesting you say that about the attack midfields not having the graft and stuff. Well, Jamie Devitt's an example of another one who who does have that graft. Who's in a, well, but yeah. probably less of an attack midfield these days. Sitting a bit deeper, but he he had the ability to do that, didn't he? So, really good mm-hmm. person for him to learn from. Um, I think we've touched on this already, Mike. The only point I picked out was that we just need to start taking chances, don't we? Because we're top of all the expected yeah. goals charts, top of the shots taken, top of the shots on target. Just need to start converting a couple more of the chances. But I think once. Once we get a game where we score two, you'll start to see a lot more goals coming, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, like, like I said before, I think it's just a little bit of fine-tuning. and I think the players just getting that little bit more used to each other. And I think we'll have a perfect storm one week where the opposition's heads have dropped and our heads have risen, if you like. Yeah. And we are going to batter someone sooner or later. I really do hope so. I think, I mean, looking up, I mean, this weekend's going to be a tough task against Steve and it's all covering the second half. Oh, yeah, show. definitely. But I think actually the next two games after that, Gillingham and Rochdale, both at home, there's some really mm. good opportunities there. Really good opportunities potentially to get some really good results from those two. Um, right, well, uh, before we talk, do a little quick round up on League Two uh, this weekend and uh, the midweek games that obviously we were involved in in the end, let's talk about the Grimsby abandonment, Mike. No real arguments about this, was there? It was, a, it was farcical by the by the time the the game was abandoned, wasn't it? The, you know, the, the problem was the middle of the pitch was perfectly fine and the ball was moving lovely up over there. Mm. But the second you got it, in particular to our left back position, which was the stand which the camera was filming from, you could knock the ball down the line and it would bounce once and then it would just stop in a puddle. Not even a puddle; it was just standing yeah. water, but you couldn't actually see it on the pitch because it was just sitting mm. underneath the grass. It. it it wasn't safe to continue, was it? No, and uh, you know there is a little bit of me that sort of I, I love sort of the the gaffes that you see when the yeah. ball catches in water, and it can be quite entertaining for the spectators. But I think from our injury point of view, I think the last thing we needed was to be playing in them conditions. I mean, there was that slide tackle on Finn back, yeah, um, and their lad just slid off the pitch. Because yeah. he just kept on going, um, and I, I was impressed with uh, the managing to make two minutes worth of highlights out of it. Because we've had <laughs> ninety-minute games where they haven't managed to get two minutes worth of highlights on the on YouTube. But yeah, I think it was the right decision in the end. And hopefully, when we play them next time, we'll have a fully fit squad. Well, it's a blessing in disguise, isn't it? In that sense, because the, the re- just mm-hmm. to actually say that the game has been rearranged for the Tuesday, the twenty seventh of uh, September so in the end it's actually worked out quite well for us isn't it really in terms of you know ha- having an opportunity to get a fully felt squad taken down then and hopefully with a good bit of form behind us as well at the same time uh, we've yeah. got a couple of quick 60 second reviews from those who were brave or should we say mad enough to uh, to make the journey over to um, <laughs> to Grimsby for this game I last minute I decided I, I was on and iron like maybe I should maybe I should and then I said, no, I'm not going to. And a good friend of ours, Craig Milne, he decided to go. Poor Craig. Um, he's not one of the guys who got back to us. Uh, we have got a Craig, though. It's Craig Mattinson. So here's Craig's uh, quick review of the Grimsby game. Hi, lads. My first Brunton Bugle review. And what a strange one to be doing. A game was quite correctly abandoned after half an hour due to the farcical conditions. Strange things was I'd been in Cleethorpes most of the day and the rain didn't actually start till half past five. So it gives you an idea of the torrential downpours that were suffered the uh, game itself bit of an non-event really uh, plenty of mistakes kicked off with the wings just being poor uh, progressed to the whole pitch ball wouldn't move 
not a lot happening, as I say, other than a shed load of misplaced passes due to the conditions. Gibbo had a couple of half chances for us, um, one blocked, one saved, and they looked particularly dangerous from set pieces. Other than that, you couldn't really read a lot into the game. Um, big plus for us, the Threadbare squad never got any more injuries, and we stay unbeaten. Uh, let's hope for better on Steve Nidge, and a last shout-out to the Blue Army, each and every one that made that journey on a Tuesday night. We really are the best fans in the land. Up the Blues. Yeah, top top, top shout-out from Craig there to the Blue Army. Travelled down. He can't fault that level of commitment. And, and a little bit of credit to the directors as well, because they've agreed that they're going to pay for the bus for the, the fans who travelled down for the original game for the rearranged game at the yeah. end of September. So, you know, they get a lot of stick for things they do and, and quite rightly they get some stick sometimes, but you know, full credit to them here, you know. I know they can't reimburse every single fan's travel. That's just the way it is, but as a gesture it's it's a fantastic little touch there. Interestingly he does say that it was yeah, only definitely. raining since half five. And um, but it just goes mm. show, doesn't it, when you get those periods of what, four or five days of dry weather as soon as mm. as soon as it then rains, it, there's nowhere for the water to go because the ground's rock hard, isn't it? So Yeah, exactly. Just unavoidable for uh, for the guys down at um, Grimsby. Right, uh, one more before we uh, go to the League 2 roundup and then the half-time break. Uh, it's Chris Martin has given us uh, his review of the Grimsby game. Chris from Leicester here, hence the lack of Carlisle accent, but it still took me three and a half hours to get there last night. Uh, arrived three hours early, so I still missed kickoff. Um, I was really shocked the game went ahead once I saw the pitch, though. Um, really terrible conditions, but you could tell the players wanted it to carry on because they were kicking the ball that little bit harder than usual. The ref did stop it and check it about 20 minutes in, and soon after that, there was a horrendous ch- tackle on Finn back, and... The ref, I feel, was so lucky that he jumped out of the way and there was no serious injury there. Um, For the actual play that I did see, I thought Carlisle soaked up pressure very well, pardon the pun, and uh, looked quite dangerous on the counter-attack. It looked like it was shaping up to be a really good game, but the pitch was just unplayable. I felt Mellish was very lucky not to get an own goal against him and I thought the fans our fans were absolutely amazing there was no booing when it got called off they just kept singing and cheering on the players looking forward to going back if it's rearranged or when it's rearranged there you go it's not the Christmas and I should have said that before we, uh, we um, <laughs> did there you think on his long journey back here with the, the bad weather he used the lights to guide him home though uh... hey hey yeah, yeah. It's normally me making these terrible puns. I know. I thought, uh, I thought I'd step in as you went. You weren't prepared to, to take one for the team. Um, but yeah, no, a great assessment there from from Chris. And a shout out to that John Mellish clearance as well. I don't know if it was on the highlights, Mike, but yeah, he basically try, tries to slice it away and it loops up and up and it, it looks for every bit of it. it was oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. 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 Very um, lucky. Very well, lucky, man. Yeah, but on that Finn back tackle, for me, it was worse than that Tranmere straight red last season. Mm. You know, and... Well, in those conditions, you, you, you've got to be more careful with what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, that's the first exactly. Thing. But um should say as well, actually, John Mellish got booked in this game for a really soft and stupid booking. He was made out as if he'd shoved the keeper over. He basically just knocked into the keeper as they were both coming out after he claimed a cross. And Crokem went down like a bag of spuds, and he got booking for it. That booking stands... So even if, if mm. we'd scored in that game, that goal would have been rescinded. You'd never, that wouldn't have counted in the records. But John Mellish's yeah. booking still counts. 
which yeah. is utterly ridiculous. Really. I, mean, I could totally understand if it's a red card for like violent conduct or something like that. You get that, but a mm. booking for something like that, just you can never quite get the rules in football sometime, can you? So there you go. Um, yeah. yeah, so thanks about Craig and Chris for the for their six second review. Just to remind if you if you want to get involved in that, we're always looking for new voices to to put on there. So drop a message to uh, to to us on Twitter, and Dan will be the one who'll sort you out in terms of getting it sent to you, unless you already know me, in which case. Just send it through to me and I'll, I'll we'll try to include it. Um, quickly to round up from the, the weekend's games, Mike. F- first of all, uh, some breaking news today. Um, Robbie Stockdale's gone as Rochdale manager, the first manager to go. So none of us got our prediction right this season. Because I think nope. I, I went for... Um, I think I got caught between Wayne Brown at Colchester and someone else that I can't remember now. Um, you went for... Who did you go for on then? You went for... I think you, both you and... Dan went for McRae at Sutton, didn't you? I think. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly who I went for, but it was it definitely wasn't uh, Robbie Stockdale. So there you go. I mean, they've had a horrendous start to the season, Rush, haven't they? Another team that's having a horrendous time is uh, Newport County. Their home run, mm. seven, I think they've lost seven in a row at Rodney Parade now, co- covering last mm. season as well. Um, they lost 3 2 to Salford. Salford, top of the league early on. The, the one season, none of us predict them to be in, in the top three. <laughs> And they're doing it. Fair play to them. Maybe changing the way they're doing things is what's going to work out for them. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been quite hectic so far, all in all. And I mean, you know, I don't really want to say it, but Barrow have started incredible as well. well better than certainly we're all expecting. Well, they did lose controversially. And I say that with the, you know, the old bunny ears, uh, as I say it, um, against Sutton last weekend. I don't think it's controversial mm. at all. I've seen it back and... It's an indirect free kick, and they said, oh, it's been touched on the way. It's not been touched at all. I've watched it two or three mm. times, and I'm trying to work out where, where mm. on earth that, that touch has actually come from that they're claiming. It's blatantly, it, I mean, the Sutton keeper's got very lucky that it's an indirect one, because he's gone to try and get the ball mm. and missed it. Um, but at the other end, Paul, Paul Farman did miss a long ball forward, and uh, the lad nipped into score. He actually messed up again against Walsall in midweek. They didn't win that one 2-1, but... He's he's flapping at a few this season, Paul Farman, isn't he? He's, he's, he's got he's got that in his mm. locker sometimes. But there you go. So yeah, Borough start the season well. Um, Stockport County they picked up their first uh, win on their return to the uh, EFL, but they followed that up with a loss against uh, Doncaster Rovers, didn't they? So they're not having the, mm. the best of starts considering how well back they've been. Um, the three teams I think I've picked out here is uh, in trouble early on. Uh, Rochdale obviously you've let Stockdale go. Hartlepool and Crawley Town, obviously, as well. Um, but at the top, Salford, Orient, Northampton and Stevenage, they're the early pace setters, aren't they? They're the ones who are up at the top so far. It's hard to judge this early on, isn't it? That's the problem. It's only four games in. But. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I think you and me both had Stevenage as sort of dark horses. I think Dan did as well, uh, you know. I think all three of us had them as dark horses. So it yeah, just goes yeah. to show we, we, we do know something. We do know what we're talking about sometimes, <laughs> don't we? But there you go. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, looking at the table now, if you'd have said that four games into the season would be ahead of Tranmere, Bradford and Stockport, I, w- I would have taken that. Yeah, definitely. You would. No. Interesting on Bradford. I mean, Mark Hughes must be getting a little bit worried because they've not had quite the start of the season they'd hoped. They picked up their first win against uh, Newport. I mean, any, I think a lot of teams are going to be beating Newport this season based on what we've seen. But um, they then went to Colchester midweek and lost to a 97th minute winner for the Hughes. Yeah, yeah. a lot, long way me, to go. It must, it, it must cost Bradford a lot to sack him, surely. Yeah. You know, so... Because I did, 
because for me, when we were you know doing the preseason preview and it was who's going to be the first manager to get sacked, I half thought if they don't start well, you know they could struggle. But I can't see him getting sacked. I wonder. I wonder if he's, he's one who just walk away though. I've I have a feeling he might just say maybe no, not. forget it and just walk yeah. away and go into punditry for the rest of his career. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's it then for, for the first half of the show for this week. Um, we'll take a short break and then we'll be back to uh, to go through the preview for the Stevenage game. Hi, it's Morgan Feeney and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Big Morgs. Hopefully he'll be back uh, fully fit soon, ready to get back into the defence. He might have a job getting back in the defence, you know. That's the thing. He's going to have a bit of competition now. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it just shows well, how well stocked we are now compared against what we were at the start of the summer, which is what we want to see. Um Right, so we've got the behind enemy line section coming up in a minute. But first of all, Dan has sent us in a question this week, and he tells me this is a belting question. So um, let's see what Dan's question is for this week's episode. Saturday's game at Stevenage sees us renew acquaintance with everybody's favourite opposition manager, Steve Evans. Steve Evans has managed eight football teams, but we have only played against four of those with him in charge. Can you name the four teams of the eight that he was in charge of against us and what our record is in the ten games we've been against him for those four teams? And for bonus points, if you can get the total score for Carlisle against Steve Evans' teams, get a pat on the back too. Does he want us to name how many pies were sold at those games as well? Bloody hell, he's not asking for much, is he, really? Um, oh, right, so the four teams we played against for him. All right, we'll have a little think about this one. We'll come back to it just before the X-Files section yeah. at the end. I think that's the best way to do it. So, yeah, uh, as usual, the first part of the second half of the show is the Behind Enemy Lines section where we talk to an opposition podcast about, uh, basically, about how their team's getting on at the moment and, you know, how things are doing for them. So, uh, this week, we spoke to Matt from the Stevenage FC podcast. Um, we had a good chat with Matt last season, actually, as well, I seem to remember, for the last uh, home game of the season. Um yeah, the chat I had with Matt, basically, a few things to talk about. The key things where we talked about that really impressive start of the season, um, how they've done well working with a really tight squad, what it's like uh, supporting an, an underdog club, if you want to call it that. And, uh, and of course, we had to talk about Steve Evans himself, didn't we? Uh, here's the chat I had with Matt uh, earlier this week. So I'm joined this week by Matt from the Stevenage FC podcast. We're going to look ahead to the, this weekend's Big clash between uh, two sides that have, uh, I think we were discussing when we, when we had a little chat for your podcast, Matt, we're, we're in similar sort of circumstances. That we, we had uh, three different managers last season. We're, we both just about stayed up, thanks to the manager coming in at the end of the season, performing probably a minor miracle. And now we're both sort of rebuilding for this season and, and probably doing a little bit better than most teams expected, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. So, uh, no thanks for having me back on the uh, show. No, it's again, I love doing these, and I enjoyed it last time. So, it's uh, yeah, absolute pleasure to come on here. Um, yeah, do you know what we were just saying on 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 the pod with me that uh, yeah, it seems that we're in a kind of similar position. Obviously, yourselves have gone through three managers, and well, I mean, last year we went through. I said it on the pod. We've had to kiss a few frogs last season to find to find the right one, and uh, you know, it looks like we've done that in Steve Evans. Steve kept us up. Um, well, I say he kept us up. It, we kind of were in a bit of a comfortable space at the end, and uh, coming into this season, it's you know we want to become a top half team now, and Steve has recruited the. 
the players to be able to do that. And uh, everything at the minute seems absolutely fantastic. But um, yeah, as us two go, yeah, similar position, I'd say. Both un- both unbeaten. And it seems like we've both got the same goals as well this season. So it all looks good. Yeah, well, when we did our season preview uh, episode, I think, I can't remember this exactly, but I know I definitely did. And I'm feeling Mike did. I'm not sure whether Dan did. But I think all three of us predicted Stevenage as our dark horses for League Two this season, a team that people would do a lot better than a lot of people expected. So I think we're all quite happy that we're being proved right about that. <laughs> less happy about how Stockport are doing so far, but let's, let's just uh, leave that there. Um, <laughs> are you guys shocked at how well you've done so far in these opening few games? I think as much as we thought you'd do better, I don't think we expected you to be so strong in this opening round of fixtures. Uh, do you know what? Really good question because as a as a Stevenage supporter, uh, it feels a little bit surreal. Mm. <laughs> I've got to be completely honest with you, Lee. Um, I, I, if I'm completely honest, um, I, I think we did, and I, I don't want to sound kind of arrogant with that. I think you know when we saw the players that we recruited in the summer, and when we were watching the preseason, we thought, you know, we've got a good side here. You know, we've you know attracted players like Dan Sweeney and Pigiani and Danny Rose. And, you know, with the players that we kept at the club over the summer, which were really big players to keep, I think we all thought that we'd start fast. But again, you have that uncertainty from pre-season to, to league football because it can be different. But we, we've been terrific. It is it is just absolutely fantastic to be watching. We're uh, we're winning games. We're scoring last-minute goals, which, uh, let me tell you, I've, I haven't seen at Stevenage <laughs> for a long time. Normally, they go against us. Uh, they're going for us in the 100th minute and the 95th minute. And, so I think I think four of us at Stevenage, look, we expected us to start fast. Um, we, we started very fast, in fact, but I think we're not too surprised um, because of, you know, who we recruited, who the manager is, you know, the expectations of this season. But again, it is a surreal moment to be sitting here fourth place with 10 points after four games. But, um, but no, to answer your question, I, I think we expected it. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can just continue to do it now and, and you know, stay in that top half. You mentioned about your recruitment, and we'll touch on that in a second. But I was just looking at your squad there. You've only actually got a squad size of 20, mm. which is quite a risky thing to go into a season because our, our managers tried to get it up to a decent level for us. Because we've had many injury problems, which is part of the reason why we've had to. But is that maybe the challenge you're saying about the fast start? Maybe that's the concern that, you know, if you get two or three injuries, suddenly you're having to dip into youth team plays and things like that to, to fill the bench. Is that where you've got a slight concern that maybe things could become difficult towards the winter? Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I, and I think for us at Stephen, that's the only concern. Yeah, it's it's the fact. I think at the minute, Elliot List is out injured with an ACL, probably going to miss the whole of the season. So at the minute, we've only got about an 18 to 19 man squad. Uh, so yeah, look, it's. Um, I think if we're trying to, to pick something that we're worried about, it's probably that. As we know in League Two, you get injuries um, and you have to bring players in. So I think Steve has said it time and time again, we're probably trying to get two more players in, uh, probably lone players just to bulk the squad. Um, What I will say about our team, though, is even though we're quite a small squad, every single player that we've got in that 18-man squad are good enough to start. And and that's been something that we've seen in the opening four league games and the League Cup as well, that that we won away at Reading, um, that these players on the bench are are good enough to start and win. So although it's a worry, we're not too worried just yet because we know that the players on the bench are good enough to play and good enough to get results. But I I think Steve will will definitely sign a couple just to bolster squad because in in time it, it could be a concern. Yeah, I'm just looking through it as well. There's a lot of experience in there as well, isn't there? There's not too many young players now. I don't. I'm looking through it. I'm trying to see. You've got one player under the age of twenty, and I think that's it. I mean, 
all the rest are sort of mid to to, to late twenties. So that, that that's a really good thing to have in there. I mean, let's talk about some of those summer signings. And obviously, you mentioned the two defenders there, um, Pierre Gianni and Dan Sweeney. I think Michael Boswick he signed permanently, didn't he? I think after he had a loan spell yeah. at the end of last season. So I mean, I mean, three cent three centre backs there. <laughs> I don't know if Boswick's still playing in, in defence, but three centre backs there. I think most clubs would look at it and be be quite happy with them, really, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, you make a very good point. Um, yeah, look, Carl Piagiani and Dan Sweeney are, are fabulous signings. Uh, mm. You know, I, to be honest with you, I could not believe we, we got Sweeney. I mean, Sweeney just won the league with Forest Green, I think played 32 to 35 games mm. in that team, was captain for five of them. Um, so that was just, yeah, kind of surreal getting him in uh, at the club. Uh, again, Carl Piagiani, I've actually always wanted him. But I remember watching him on those Salford programs and thought, oh, do you know what? He's the type of defender I'd love at the club. And yeah. so, you know, those two have come in and have been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, our result last night, Carl Piagiani scored. Uh, Dan Sweeney was a rock back there, but such a good player. Um, really good point about Bozzy. Yeah, Bozzy's signed. Bozzy's been playing midfield, though. He's been playing yeah. in the defensive midfield role. Um, one other player I should throw in there, this is actually our longest serving player at the minute, is uh, Terence Van Kooten. Mm. Now, Terence has uh, had a brilliant season a couple of years ago did really well at the back end of the last season this season he's, we've been playing a 3-5-2 and the three back there have been Piagiani on the left Terence in the middle Sweeney on the right uh, and Terence actually is, is quite an underrated player he, he's been absolutely phenomenal and he's been sweeping Sweeney and Piagiani Terence is really fast really good ball player so all three of them back there are, are, have been phenomenal but yeah Piagiani and Sweeney they, they don't come more experienced than those two and they're such a threat in the air as well so mm. yeah we're over the moon to have them yeah. Into midfield, um, you've signed Dean Campbell on loan from Aberdeen. It's an interesting one. Um, as well as that, you've got two very experienced campaigners in Jake Reeves and Jake Taylor at that level. They're, they're, they're always going to be quite impressive. And, and Arthur Reed's one who's always really impressed me. When it, I think a couple of years ago we played against you and he was best player on the pitch comfortably, I think. Uh, obviously, playing in midfield three makes it a little bit, also even a two maybe of that. Five, I don't know how exactly you're doing your 5 3 2 or anything like that, but how are they shaping up? Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, you know, Jake Reese and Jake Taylor are, are constant professionals. They're very yeah. experienced at the level. Uh, you know, Jake Taylor captained Exeter for all those years. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, those, those two are what they are. They're, they're, they've been brilliant this so far this season. Um, and you know what? Two right as well because last season they they were okay, but I think for their ability they could have done a lot better. So I think coming into this season it was like you know we want to see them two perform now, and they are. Um, Arthur Reed's an absolute great shout out from yourselves. He played last night and was the best player on the pitch for 60 70 minutes uh reedy's a bit of a weird one actually because he was put on the transfer list in the summer and it wasn't because steve evans didn't want him steve said countless of times he's wanted him but he arthur reedy didn't know what he was doing where his heart was and i think steve said that once reedy knuckles down and he and he gets his head down and he puts his effort in arthur reed can be one of the most talented players in the division so uh thankfully it seems like that reedy stayed uh, he's featured he played last night he was phenomenal uh and and to go along with your point about how we're shaping up yeah it's a bit of a weird one we've got we've got three at the back two wing backs and then there's a kind of a defensive midfielder sitting in front of that three and then the other two are floaters that, that go off and play but there's a lot of depth in there. Uh, there's a lot of rotation that Steve can use with other players like Jordan Roberts who can play in the, those two floating positions as well. Uh, but no, the, the midfield has, has looked phenomenal and they're contributing to some of the goals that we scored already. Yeah. Um, in attack, now you mentioned goals there, in attack that's one area maybe I would look at and think maybe you probably need to strengthen a little bit. I know you've brought Danny Rosen in the summer and you know, he's, he's he's a decent attacker, but his goal-scoring record in the last two or three seasons is not quite as impressive as it was in his time at Berry. I think. 
and maybe even if you pick this time of Mansfield as well. Is that an area I'm guessing where Stevens is looking to, to, to bring a, a couple of players in potentially? Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, going into this season, we looked great. You know, we had Luke Norris, Elliot List, Danny Rose and Jamie Reid, all four capable strikers at this level. First game in the season, Elliot List does his ACL. Uh, so, uh, not ideal. Uh, so, yeah, originally we were stuck with those three. Although Jordan Roberts came on in that game, scored and looked almost a better player, their side, than Elliot List. But, um, yeah, I think if we're going to probably strengthen, he'll probably bring in another striker. What I will say about Danny Rose, and you make a very good point about his last couple of seasons, um, but under Steve in the past when he was at Mansfield he had a really good really good season score in I think 20, 20 plus goals or something like that yeah. um, and he we could see early on uh, that with Danny Rose we feel like if he's got some games in, in the bag and he scored a couple of goals he's going to become a starting striker and uh, luckily he scored at Reading uh, when he came on uh, when he started, sorry, and then he scored um, when he came on on Saturday in the 100th minute away at Walsall. So now he's got a couple of goals and, and he started last night and was absolutely terrific last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a such a threat in the air for, for a five foot seven, five foot eight striker. Um, he looks really good. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Rose ended up our top goal scorer this season. So we, we've got strength there. Do I think Steve will bring in another striker? Yeah, possibly. I think it would be a good idea. But um, overall, I, th- I think we're still pretty strong and those strikers again are, have contributed a lot of them have uh, not, Norris uh, Danny Rose Jordan Roberts and Jamie Reid are all off the mark so we are scoring goals up there but yeah I think Steve will be smart and, and probably bring in one more yeah um, in, in terms of the results so far this season we've obviously mentioned the fact that you've uh, got this habit of scoring last minute goals I've got to give a little mention as well <laughs> to your uh, your League Cup uh, result as well because uh, did you beat Championship side Reading in that one uh, that's correct you? yeah Reading away yeah yeah, so I mean, nice to cause a little upset early in the competition. Just a bit of a shame that the, that your reward for that is a home tie against Peterborough of all teams. But, uh... Yeah, no, that, that's the, do you know what, Lee, and uh, you know anyone that um, mentions mine, I knows that I'm the most positive Stevenage fan. So when that draw came out against Peterborough, I was over the moon because I thought, oh, it's at home, it's winnable. <laughs> and then I went onto Twitter and just saw the uproar, and I thought, right, well, I'm just going to keep my nose out of this this time. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it was it, that was a fantastic performance last Tuesday at Reading. Uh, and what a lot of people don't know is we didn't play our first team. Mm. We played um, We played a lot of the lads that haven't even played minutes so far in League Two and they got the job done and made it look pretty pretty easy, really. Mm. We uh, we bossed the game. We went 1-0 up, letting a go, and then Danny Rose scored in the 89th minute at the end. So, yeah, it was nice nice to get a win in the Cup and uh, money for the club. And, and again, we just want to keep this unbeaten run going and, and that has contributed to that. Well, before we get on to predictions, we're going to, we've spent all this time talking. I've not even really asked you about uh, the man himself, <laughs> Steve Evans, really, have I? And, and the job he's done since coming in. I mean, we all know he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, a, a character. I'm trying to think of the politest way of putting this without saying something. Polarising figure. Polarising figure. That's a very good phrase. Yes. He's a polarising figure in football. If he's managed your club, there's a chances are you might like him a little bit. If he hasn't managed your club, you probably don't like him. I mean, but he seems to be the right character to bring into your club. Stephen is in a weird way. I'm trying to say this in a nice way possible. It, it, it is one of the smaller clubs in the football league. And sometimes you need someone who makes it a bit of backs against the wall, us against them, don't you? And he's that kind of character yeah, yeah. that's going to do that, isn't he? And, you know, you guys, have, I suppose you look at yourselves as more established as a league club now. You Obviously, you've done all these improvements at your ground as well. But mm. is he the kind of guy you think you can drag you away from that, being that side struggling at the bottom of the league too? 
Yeah, look, you've hit the nail on the head. And first of all, great, great uh, little phrase there about, you know, if he's your manager, you love him. If you don't, you hate him. Yeah. Because we hate, we hate Steve Evans at yeah. one point. I'm pretty sure everyone has. Um, but no, now he's our manager. We love him. And w- what he's done, I, j- I just think what he's done in just the, the small amount of time since he's been here is just phenomenal. The way he kept us up and then the way that he's built this team and, and has started the way we have, he's doing an absolutely terrific job. What I will say is he's the first proper football league level manager we've probably ever had I mean Wesley took us up from the non-league Wesley probably by even his own admission in that um, kind of first year he took us up wasn't a football league manager he'd come from the non-league too uh, you know we've had so many managers Darren Saul, Dino Mamria Alex Ravel who's uh, first team coach at the club still um, you know they're not football league managers so Steve is the first proper manager we've had in the football league mm. um, we, we love him here uh, he, he's doing an excellent job and look you, you know he's so experienced at the level he knows what you need to have to be successful he's got nine promotions under his belt um, and I do believe that he, he well, I know most certainly he wants to make that 10 with us so um, yeah look we're, we're over the moon to have Steve uh, again polarising figure we always say at the club um, uh, yeah you're so right about us being you know a small football club and you know where it's us against the world and you know that that is so correct and I think you know, when we've had success at this football club, that's what it's been. And uh, I think Steve is definitely bringing that back. And uh, again, we, we, we're so happy to have him. And I think the one thing we want is we, we want him to be here for a long time. We believe that the project is, is going to be successful this season. And, and for the future after this season, um, we want Steve to stay and we want him to, to have some success here and, you know, get our club back to where basically we believe we can be. Well, Matt, it's been great talking to you. Really glad you could give up your time to speak to us. Really appreciate it. Before you go, though, as ever, we have to ask you what your prediction is for the game this weekend. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Again, anyone knows me. I'm Mr. Positive with Stevenage. Um, oh, yeah, I think I, I, I said um, in the week, I, I can't see us losing at the minute. I, I think we'd all know that we'd, we'd start really fast and we have. And I just think at the minute we, we look too good. And I just think, I think we'll, we'll stay unbeaten this Saturday. I, I think, um, strangely, it's the opposite for what you said on, on mm-hmm. our podcast. I think we'll win 2-1. Um, I think we'll win 2-1. I don't, I think it'll be a tough game. Uh, but I'm going for a 2-1 win to Borough. I think we'll score with five minutes to go again. I can see us nicking a goal at the end. But uh, yeah, 2-1 to Borough. Matt, thanks very much for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. <laughs> no, thanks for having me on again, Lee. Absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, good luck to yourselves. Big thanks once again to Matt for giving up his time to speak to him. I think of all the opposition podcasts I've spoken to, he's by far the most enthusiastic about his club. That's not to say other people aren't enthusiastic about their clubs or excited about, about them, but he really is so passionate and very excited about Stevenage. And he's got every right to be at the moment, hasn't he, Mike? Because they've made an incredible start to the season, really. Yeah, you know, along with us, they're st- still unbeaten, aren't they? And uh, they've picked up some very, very good results as well. Some very late goals as um, well, haven't they? That's the, that's the one thing that stands out yeah. for them. Really late goals in games. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think we're in for a good game and dare I say it now, I'd be happy with the draw. Oh, is that a little hint to your prediction later on, Mike, maybe? <laughs> Could it be? Perhaps. Could it be? We'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, so this weekend's game obviously takes place at uh, the Lamech Stadium, a.k.a. Broad Hallway, if you want to go back to its traditional name. Um, the referee for the game is Craig Hicks from Surrey. It's his sixth season as an EFL referee. He's uh, he's taken charge of three games so far this season, handing out 11 yellow cards and one red card. Last season, he handed out 112 yellow cards and seven red cards in 36 games. So he hands out a red card on average every five games roundabout. 
So he, he's fairly card happy compared against a lot of referees, isn't he? Um, mm. The last United game he took charge of was the 3 0 defeat at Forest Green and Rovers last season. Me and Dan both went to that game. Um, I can't really think of anything he did wrong in that match, but then again, it was a bit men against boys, if we're brutally honest. Mm. Uh, three bookings that day uh, Bailey Cargill for Forest Green Rovers and uh, Callum Guy and Jack Armour for United. Uh, head-to-head record, it's going to be the 25th meet between the two sides. You kind of forget how many times we've actually played them now, don't you? Because when we've gone up to League 1, they've come up not long after, and then we've both sort of come back down to League 2 at the same time. We've been stuck here ever since, haven't we? So it's, yeah, it's I think one, the vast it? majority of our encounters together have been in the past 10 years. Definitely, yeah. But in terms of head-to-head, we are well ahead of them. We've uh, 12, 12 uh, Carlisle wins, uh, 4 draws and 8 wins for Borough, which is their nickname because they used to be Stevenage Borough, of course. Changed the name to Stevenage mm. not long before they got promoted to the Football League, I seem to remember, actually. Um, I mean, we've already mentioned that Steve Evans is their manager. I mean, we, we, we discussed him in depth last season. Go back to the preview from the end of last season, the last home game, and if you want to hear about uh, Steve Evans's charge sheet, shall we say, because he's every club <laughs> he's been at, he has been involved in some form of scandal or you know, ban or something like that, hasn't he? He's he's he's, he's a naughty little yeah. boy. I think is the best way to describe him, isn't he? He's uh, not the best behaved at times, but um, but, but yeah. he's got a good record as manager. That's true. Und- undoubtedly, he's got a terrific record as manager. He's he's just mm. as mm. we said with the, when I was talking to Steve, guys, we said he's the kind of guy who, if he doesn't manage your club, you hate him. But if he manages your club, mm-hmm. you probably quite like him. Not necessarily everybody. Mm. There'll be quite a few people. Who, I, know, I know a lot of Boston fans who do not like him, despite you know. Some of the great things mm. he did there, but he also did some pretty bad things, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. So he's not mm. the most popular person at Boston. Um, but he's obviously appointed in March. He managed to keep him up. And, and the work he's done over the summer, Mike, is is quite incredible, actually, because you look, I mean, I'm just counting how many players they lost here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 players. In fact, no, sorry, 16, including one that actually departed on the transfer, left over the summer. They've not brought in that many. I think they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in total. They brought in so the six players down on what they had last season, and they look a much stronger side, don't they? I mean, looking through their squad, you don't. It doesn't smack, you know, smack of real star quality, but there's some really good season pros in there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Michael Bostwick is a name that stands out to me. Was he? Um, was he in their side when uh, we? When we played him in the playoff final, I'm sure he was. You know, I'm going to double check that in a was sec. Was he? But I have a feeling he was part. He's been at. He was at Stevenage years and years ago. He's come back basically. Yeah, yeah. While we're talking, but yeah, carry on talking, Mike. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Uh. Luke Norris. Uh. Danny Rose. Jamie Reed. You know, some good good strikers there. Um. And yeah, it, like we said before, we sort of picked them to be a dark horse and. Some people, i.e. bookmakers, might be surprised with where they are in the league, but I'm not particularly surprised. Hmm. I was wrong. I do apologise. He wasn't. Oh, okay. back then. He was Stevenish from 2008 to 2012. He made 165 appearances uh. in his first spell. So I think he's playing a bit more as a midfielder at the moment, as a defensive midfielder. But um, but yeah, I mean, Pierre Gianni's another one, isn't he, who stands out. He's one we've always been impressed with. I mean, aerially, he's probably one of the strongest players in the league, isn't he, for for winning aerial battles. And so far, mm. he's looked a, a big threat for them on set pieces. And that's something we'll have to look at this weekend, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And 
set pieces is something that we've tried to work on a little bit, and I think if hopefully if Moxon's fit, our attacking set pieces will be sort of back to what they were in the first few games. Yeah, um, in, in terms of other players, I mean, in midfield, Reeves and, and Taylor have both got bags of experience at this level. Arthur Reed has got a little bit of a quality in there too. As you mentioned up front, obviously, Jamie Reed and, and Danny Rhodes, always, he always used to have a habit of scoring against us, but actually his scoring record in the last few seasons has not been that great. But he's always done well when he's played under, because um, he played under Evans at Mansfield, didn't he? I think he had a half-decent scoring record mm. when Evans was at least at Mansfield, I seem to remember. So yeah, it just, the big blow for them is Elliot Liss. It looks like he's going to be out for a long time for them, which is a really big blow because he's another one who's a who's been a really good player for them in, in recent seasons, even when they've been poor. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be a tough test. But I mean, you look at the like I said, look at the squad. It's only twenty players in it. In comparison, mm. our squad now. I'm just double checking on the numbers in there now. For, our squad size is actually twenty eight now. <laughs> now, wow. for, I mean, what you got to say about that is take two out of that because Dixon and Dickinson won't play this season so it's effectively 26 yeah. Senior's out for another couple of months so he's out for quite a bit as well but you've also got a couple of players who are out on loan I think as well so you've got to remember that too so it's not mm. quite as, as clear cut as that but yeah it's you know it's a lot bigger than it was but there's a lot of younger players in there as well so pads it out a little bit the two goalkeepers especially as well you've got to remember those the two young lads so it's a little bit different for us in terms of squad size but they're working with a tight squad Something that has been spotted, though, is that Steve Evans, I think in pretty much every game, has used all five subs so far. He mm. really is exploiting that rule as much as possible because he wants mm. his side to be as fresh as possible. And they're getting their reward with these late goals, aren't they? Yeah. And a lot of their games, they haven't been high-scoring games either, no. have they? They seem to be sort of quite tight affairs that, you know, a bit of fresh legs on late in the second half can make the difference. There, in terms of the number of chances they concede as well, they, I think, are the best performers in the division, basically. They mm-hmm. they don't concede that many goals. I think I sent you over some of the whoscored.com stats, didn't I, I think, earlier on. Yeah, yeah. When you look at it, in terms of shots per game, we get 18.3 on average. Stevenage, 16. <laughs> so we are the two yeah. best sides in terms of shots per game. But actually, when you go defensive, in terms of the shots per game faced, then... In fact, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to get a stat to work, but it's not loading for me properly here. Um, let me find... Uh, Stevenage 5.8 is the number they've conceded per game, which is very, very low, mm-hmm. actually, when you look at it. In terms of the number we yeah. face, 9.7, a little bit more, but actually one of the better performances in, in the division, to be fair. So mm-hmm. it goes to show... It, it, it's gonna, One of those things we'll have to give this weekend, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see which it is. Um Last time out, uh, Stevenage, they picked up a 1-0 win over Rochdale. Uh, Pierre Gianni got the winning goal on 41 minutes, a, a powerful header from a, a, a really sort of deep looping corner. Um, they could have had a second in the second half. Danny Rose headed in, but the keeper was fouled in the, in the build-up to it, so uh, that was disallowed. But it sounds like they weren't under too much threat. I mean, Rochdale are, are going to be a, a poor side this season. I think everyone know, realises that now. Um <coughs> But yeah, their unbeaten run continues as a result, and they've they've not lost in any competition because they beat Reading two one in the League Cup as well. So that that's a really impressive result yeah. for them, isn't it? So um, mm. yeah, I think this is going to be a really tough test. This I, I genuinely think yeah. of, of all the games in the opening up until maybe the Mansfield game is the first really big test that everyone was looking at. This is the one that stood out to me in that opening eight or nine games before that Mansfield game was like right. This one this one show how good we are. I think, and I think that that's really shown, hasn't it? 
Yeah, and I think if we can come through this test relatively unscathed, you know, and get a decent result, then, you know, playing against, shall we, for want of a lesser word, uh, inferior opposition, uh, maybe afterwards, will be easier for the players, you know. Um, So, yeah, fingers crossed. Yep, really hope so. Uh, Well, let's talk about United. Um, Injury-wise... This is a long list, isn't it, Mike? <laughs> well, yeah. just going through it. So I, I've done a list and I've sort of tried to put down how many months or weeks, whatever they're out. So sort of going backwards from the ones that are out the longest. Uh, Brennan Dickinson, we think, is out for eight to nine months. We're not 100% sure how long it'll be yet. Uh, Josh Dixon's probably got another six or so months out, I think. That'll probably take him to about February, March. Um, Joel Senior, probably about two months left for him to, before he comes back, we reckon. Uh, Show Silver. Yeah. Hamstring, five to six. So the first three, sorry, ACL injuries, we should say. I mean, having one ACL injury at a club is, you know, bad luck. Three, just, mm. you know, how many black cats has Paul Simpson run over this season? That's what you think, <laughs> isn't it? But um, obviously, senior happened before he came in, we should say. Um, Show Silver, like I said, five to six weeks of his hamstring. Barkley, his ankle injury, probably going to put him out for about eight weeks, we reckon. Better news on the next ones, though. Edmondson, hip injury, two to three weeks. And then you've got... Uh, Morgan Feeney about once two weeks with his foot injury and uh, Taylor Charter similar once two weeks with his uh, hamstring injury so in the next couple of weeks maybe two to three weeks get those three back you've got even more options haven't you and that, that's where the positive should be taken yeah, yeah exactly um, and I think when we have all these players fit and chomping up the bit and competition for places I think we'll step up a level now I did actually put in the running order here Mike that Moxon uh, will return this weekend after a slight fine strain due to the abandoning Grimsby game but Simo in his uh, pre-match presser earlier today has actually said that Moxon's probably not going to be fit for this weekend so oh, okay. seems unlikely he will feature obviously we've got the three lads out on loan in Fishburne Killsby and Bell so they obviously won't be involved but um, but yeah um I'd imagine probably an unchanged side from the Grimsby game, you reckon? Yeah, you'd guess so. Um, I think, relatively speaking, I think midfield with Motten's injury isn't the worst position to lose a player. No. As, as as good a player as Moxon has been, you know, the players that we've got who can come in uh, of a, a, good, a good standard, so... Yeah, and, and Devitt is one of them players that you kind of want in a tricky away game. 100%. You know? 100%, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, won't really have any arguments if it's an unch- unchanged team. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Mike, what you say about Jamie Devitt. In a game I, as, as good as Jaden Harrison has looked, sorry, Jaden Harris, not Harrison, has looked in the first <laughs> um, few appearances he's made. He also likes to tackle and he likes to dive in and he maybe needs to learn a little bit more about that. He's not going to get away with that as easily in League 2. So actually, yeah. someone like Jamie Devitt is just a little bit more experienced, a little bit more know-how, can come in and he can calm a game down, can't he? That's exactly what you want from a, from a game where, yeah. let's be honest, and I have no problem with them doing this, Stevenage will be trying to pull every single trick in the book because that's what a Steve Evans yeah. side does. And, I've, and I'm not complaining about that, I should say. No issue at all. It's part and parcel of the game. You get on with it, don't you? Basically, but, so. But as as well, you know, Stevenage will be trying for the win, and they'll probably be pushing quite a high line. And Devitt yeah. is a player that can just pick them balls over the top for someone like Patrick to run onto. Yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely a, a tactic we can potentially look to Gibson as well. Even he can get them to runs for those. Yeah. Guy. So yeah, I'd hundred percent agree. I think we'd probably stick with the uh, 
the lineup we had, and uh, yeah, the, the bench looks still looks a little bit weaker. Maybe I mean, I'm trying to think who's going to come off there. I mean, Huntington maybe will stay on. It's whether it's one of Car or Bellardo comes off the bench, isn't it? I guess, and I imagine it's probably mm. going to be Car. I guess, but uh, we'll have to wait and see with that one. There you go. Right, predictions time. Uh, you've been keeping a score as well, Mike, haven't you? The predictions so far, and it was a, a good weekend for Dan, wasn't it? Yeah, he got it absolutely spot on last week uh, yeah. with 1-1 and Christian Dennis. Uh, none of us predicted that the Grimsby game would be abandoned at 30 minutes, so no. uh, none of us get any points there. Um, but yeah, so Dan is leading on five because uh, he gets a bonus point for getting yeah. the whole a full house, if you like. Uh, Lee's got three and I have got one. I should say, you say no one predicted the extra game would be about on 30 minutes i said in you know what in a couple of group whatsapp group chats one one that you were in i did say when i said uh, what time are we going for for this to be abandoned i'm going for 23 That's minutes true. and the refs <laughs> stopped the game briefly on 23 minutes and i was like am i psychic <laughs> this is madness isn't it so i was almost yeah. right with that he did play on the game which really annoyed me because yeah. it looks stupid um but they there you go so yeah so Dan leads the way so far, but you have got off the mark finally. Uh, poor old Greg, he's one appearance doing the predictions and he didn't get a single <laughs> point. Uh, we'll have to see how he gets on later in the season when he comes back for for another prediction at some point. So uh, let's do the predictions. Should we do Dan's prediction first? Because he sent his in. So here's what Dan has to say about this weekend's game. I'm going to go for a good, solid 2-0 win with goals from Amari Patrick and Jordan Gibson this week. So he reckons Christian Ooh. Dennis is going to end his goal-scoring run. Where's the faith there, right? Eh? There you go. He's supposed <laughs> to be a big fan of his, but then he does that. So there you go. Um, Mike, what are you going to go for? I'm going for a one-all draw with Amari Patrick with the goal. Oh, you lot of little faith. I'm going for a, <laughs> I'm going to go for a 2-0 win, and I'm going to go for goals from Christian Dennis and Jamie Devitt, he'll score a free kick. So there you go. Dennis and Devitt for the goals for this weekend's game. So I've gone for a 2-0 win. But we're all very confident, though, which is nice to see, isn't it? You know, we're all, we're all still mm-hmm. believing. So, so great stuff. Right, before we go to the X-Files section, uh, let's try and answer Dan's question then. So the question was, God, I can't, in fact, I'll play it again because I actually can't remember what the question was. Saturday's game at Stevenage sees us renew acquaintance with everybody's favourite opposition manager, Steve Evans. Steve Evans has managed eight football teams, but we have only played against four of those with him in charge. Can you name the four teams of the eight that he was in charge of against us and what our record is in the 10 games we've been against him for those four teams. And for bonus points, if you can get the total score for Carlisle against Steve Evans' teams, get a pat on the back too. Right, um, okay, so four teams that Steve Evans was in charge of against us. He's recorded those 10 games against uh, us and the total score for Carlisle in those games. Now, I think we can include... Obviously, Stevenage is one of them because we played last season against them. Yeah, we won definitely. that game two one, so there's one yeah. down. Um, now, I'm trying to think, Mansfield. We definitely played against Mansfield side, didn't we? I'm sure of that. Um, yes, um, I think Rotherham. Rotherham would be the other is one. one of them. And I think Boston. I think it's the other one, Boston. I think he went back to Boston, didn't he? And I think he did briefly take charge of them against us. I think in that probably in the season we won. 
I think it was. It might have been the season we won the League Two title. Actually, in that case, mm. I think, I think our record against them is something. Right. So, ten games. We definitely played one against Stevenage. There was definitely two against Boston. I think we won both of those. I think one was four two and one was five nil. If I'm right, yeah, four two and five nil. Rotherham. Ah, this is tougher. This is tougher because actually, would it? Oh, See, hang on. I rem- was Gillingham not one? I remember us. Uh, no, he, he wasn't there when we played them. I don't think in the cup. I'm yeah, I think was. they were in League One while we we're in League Two. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Rotherham, I remember around that time going to Rotherham away, which we drew nil nil, or was it one one? It was one one or nil nil, and I think someone got sent. Was it Mighty Robson got sent off in that game? Possibly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we'll go with we'll, let's go with one one. <clears throat> Now, the problem is that means we play Mansfield quite a few times because so far we've only got four games. Did we play Mansfield mm. six times in charge of them? I'm guessing we must have done. Uh, and I can't, I can remember a 5 2 in there, definitely, but I can't remember half the others. Let's say United's mm. total score over these games. So, so we reckon Stevenage, Mansfield, Rotherham, Boston. Number of wins. Yeah. I die, f- 10 games. I reckon we've won six, drawn one, and lost three, maybe. I'm going to go for... Yeah, go for that. And got total goals, 18. It's a random <laughs> guess. Here's the answer to Dan's ridiculously convoluted question. <laughs> the four teams that Steve Evans has taken charge of against Carlisle are Boston United, yep. Rotherham United, Mansfield Town and Stevenage. And our overall record in the 10 games against those four opponents is 1-4, drawn 2, lost 4. And for the bonus pat on the back, the overall score is Carlisle United 21, Steve Evans 16. Well, there you go. We were were miles off in terms of goals and the the wins. But we got the four teams right. That's the most important part, isn't it? Right. (laughs) Thanks for that question, Dan. Um, Okay. Uh, let's go on to the X-Files section. Obviously, Dan would normally do this, but obviously he's not here, so I'll do it. Um, busy busy week or so, isn't it, Mike? Look, plenty of things happened. Um, let's yeah. start off with the weekend games and the goals. Uh, Tom Lawrence, he scored in Rangers this 4-0 home win over St. Johnston. I think he's going to have a bit of fun up in Scotland. Tom Lawrence, isn't he? I think he should get a few goals. Yeah, I think um, so. Next up, we've got to give a big shout-out to this one. Brad Potts scored... An unbelievable volley for Preston in their 1-0 yeah. win at Luton Town. If you've not seen this, go and look at Brad Potts' Luton Town. It, I'll, be, I'll have to describe it to you. Basically, it's sort of a lofted long ball into the box, isn't it, from about 40 yards out. He's coming yeah. like proper... Like a train. Like a train in the firepower. And he leaps and he volleys it at about head height, doesn't he? With a scissor <laughs> volley into the roof of the net. It is unbelievable the way he hits it. Genuine brilliant goal. He's having a brilliant start to the season. He scored last week as well, didn't he? So he's certainly mm. enjoying himself at Preston right now. Uh, Arthur Ganua, he scored at the opener in Morecambe's 1-1 draw with Fleetwood Town in the Lancashire Derby. Uh, Tristan Abraham's got his second goal of the season. He scored the winner for Eastleigh in their 1-0 victory over Wilston. Uh, another good win for them there. Hallam Hope scored in Oldham's 3-2 win over Dorking Wanderers. That is, that is the ultimate. You're a non-league 
eye-opener fixture, isn't it, for Oldham Athletic, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Like, every team does it. When they get relegated, you look for the most tin-pot-sounding team in the league like thing is, playing against and well, say. We, theirs, they've got theirs in the second game of the season. We've got ours in the first game of the season, didn't we? We played Canvey Island, drew nil nil, and yeah. we were like, okay, this is what we're up against now, is it? Oh, God, and then you're, yeah. going, you're going to Farnborough and you're going to Learamai, you know, the good old days that was back then, God. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of an eye-opener for them. They then went on to, to lose in midweek against uh, Wilston. So yeah, it's going to be a tough old time, I think, for Oldham this season. I think they'll be okay. They're not going to yeah. be in trouble, but yeah, not going to be easy for them, I think it's fair to say. Um, Adam Campbell, he scored in Gated's 2-2 draw with Barnet. They've done okay at the start of the season, Gated, uh, having considered they've you know lost a few key players. Um, Mark Beck scored in Darlington's 1-1 draw with Chorley. Um, good little goal, this actually. You haven't seen it. Nice little curled effort from the edge of the box. Gavin Riley, he scored in Queen of the South's 1-1 draw with Adrianians. And uh, Courtney Weppen-Walters, he scored in Radcliffe's 1-1 draw with Hyde United, set up by Nicky Adams for that goal. Um, into midweek, Tom Lawrence, he scored again. But it's fair to say it was a very fortunate goal, Mike, would you say? Mm. Considering yeah, the PSG... Keeper basically threw the ball into the net from a low shot. It was dreadful, basically. Lawrence was almost embarrassed to it. Uh, celebrate the goal, wasn't he? Uh, should note that um, uh, it was a 2 to draw that game finished uh, against PSV. And uh, Jared Branthwaite came on as a second-half sub for another PSV appearance, so he's doing all right there so far. Naki Wells mm-hmm. scored in Bristol City's uh, 2-0 win over Luton Town. Uh, Reese James, he was sent off for Sheffield Wednesday in their 2-0 defeat at Preet United. If you haven't seen this as well, he got sent off and then Darren Moore, the Sheffield Wednesday manager, basically thinks, well, I'm going to have to make a tactical change here because obviously Reese James is the left back, so he needs to switch things around a bit. And he took up, a, took off, is it George Byers, I think the name of the lad he took off? And he subbed him. And he was not happy about being subbed, I think it's fair to say. He essentially slaps the assistant's hand. The assistant then tries to grab him. And there's a bit of a pushing and to and froing. I think the assistant got booked for basically squaring up to, to Byers, but not a great look, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, not great for them. Um, Harry McCurdy got his first goal season in Swindon's 1-1 draw with Leighton Orient. And then uh, a one-game wonder to give a shout-out to, James Hooper. He scored his first <laughs> goal in an injury-time equaliser for Workington in their 1-1 draw at Prescott Cables. I'm annoyed about this because I didn't realise that Reds were playing at Prescott Cables on Tuesday. Because if I'd known, I would have gone along because it is my local ground base. It's only about three or four mm. miles away by car. So, yeah, a little bit annoyed I didn't know about that. But, yeah, injury time equaliser. So, that's Workington's first point of the season. They've not had the strongest start, but uh, hopefully they'll pick up soon under Danny Granger. Transfers. Um, Gimme Toure, this one you spotted, Mike, isn't it? Gone to Yeovil yeah. Town. Good move for him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we all know what kind of a player he can be. Um, and hopefully, you know, he, he gets his sort of his mojo back yeah. and uh, and does well for them. I mean, he, he did well at national level before, didn't he, for Sutton and for Hartlepool United. So hopefully that's the kind yeah. of move that revitalise him a little bit. Uh, another former Blues player, Conor Malley, he's joined Rochdale on a short-term deal after a trial spell. I wonder what he's thinking now. Short, joins a short-term deal, manages sacked a week later. Yeah, not not great mm. news for him. Um, into other news, um, the Jag is back in the garage, Mike, isn't it? I'm afraid. Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce, sorry, that was Jag. Rolls-Royce, <laughs> Old banger more like when he was playing for us. Um, yeah, former defender Chris Elliott. He's uh, retired from professional football, bringing his 12-year career to an end. He said he wanted to time for try, try something new. Um, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he, he had a great career up in Scotland, didn't he? We, you know, we, we'll take the mm. mickey about how he did for us, but actually 
he's very well liked for his time at Partick Thistle, isn't he? So it's just one of the things. Didn't didn't work out for him with us, not helped by how much he was built up by you know who um, in the process. Mm. And uh, only of a little bit of news is one that Dan spotted a really good spot. This uh, former winger Jamal Campbell Rice, he of a uh, five hundred pound transfer apparently. Um, he's uh, taken on a role with the England youth setup. He's going to provide coaching support across the development team. So this kind of level that Simo was the head coach at, he's going to be a coach that works over several different age groups, basically. So, uh, yeah, good luck to him. Uh, decent career move for him. There you go. So, uh, well, that's it for this week, isn't it, Mike? That's the uh, the yeah. preview sorted. Uh, bit of a, another bit of a long one, wasn't it, really? But uh, got there in the end. Um, thank you once again to everyone for listening. And thank you once again to the London Bunch for sponsoring the podcast. Really appreciate their support this season. Um, Dale being the... Uh, the sorry, I should have mentioned, actually. I did I do apologise. I didn't actually mention the, the, the recommended pub which is our mutual friend in on Broadwater Crescent in Stevenage, SG28EH. That's the recommended pub. They'll all be in there. So if you want to get you signed up to the London Bunch, go and have a word with one of them. They'll, you'll be able to spot them. Big group of Carlisle fans. Just ask you guys from the London Bunch, and I'm sure they'll be willing to chat and sort you out of a membership. Well worth going down there and meeting up with them. And yeah, so that's that with them. Uh, in terms of upcoming episodes, we've got a Gillingham preview coming up uh, next weekend. Um, usual sort of episode, uh, as you'd expect. I'm hoping to get my CUFC 11 episode recorded. Whether that's with Dan or Mike, I don't know yet. We'll try and find some time when one of you guys are available to run through that with me. And then obviously we'll do your CUFC 11 as well, won't we, Mike? Uh, that should yeah, be a yeah. fun episode to do. And I'm hoping to get another interview sorted in the near future. That's TBC. I'm not going to say who it is yet, so I'm hoping to get that nailed down in the very uh, near and uh, yeah, present. So uh, there you go. Uh, Mike, thanks once again for joining me. Cheers. Thanks, everyone, and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.